0: Hey there! Welcome to Dogs Are Smarter Than People, the quirky podcast that gives you writing tips and life tips. And maybe a chuckle or two.
1: So thanks for grandpa. <laughs> what a great start. <laughs> and maybe a chuckle or two. I'm Carrie, I'm the New York Times, an internationally best-selling author of kids' books.
0: And I'm Sean, her lovely co-host. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you can tell normally we start off the uh podcast with a random thought sometimes that's in bed sometimes it's in the car sometimes it's in the office but it's always random like us and then we'll give you a writing tip and a dog tip
0: and hopefully some good fodder as well
1: thanks for sticking with us
0: enjoy your day
1: Hey, it's random thought at the dinner table. We just had a blooper reel that you shall not hear. But anyways, um, I was That's
0: just... That's how random my thoughts are.
1: This guy who writes for the New York Times a lot and has uh, some controversial opinions and seems to not understand that there is a class under upper middle.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: but I always actually find him making me think think his yeah. name is David Brooks right and he has his book out and basically the book is about happiness and how there's two mountains in mm. happiness right and the first mountain is the success mountain right yeah I think if you get to the top of that one it's the happiness mountain you're like what look at right. how beautiful those places oh my god I can't believe I succeeded and I got here got family or I got my success <laughs> I got my riches I've traveled Yay, life is amazing. Right. But oftentimes, once you get to the top of that happiness mountain, you're like, oh, shoot. I need more. Right. I'm not really all that happy.
0: Right.
1: And oftentimes, something devastating happens when you're up there. Like, Uh, because that's life, right? Somebody dies, you get divorced, you lose your job, there's a pandemic, I don't know. Like, something happens when you're on the top. Right. So then you have to climb up to the joy mountain. And obviously, this is like a wicked basic summary of a huge book, right? Right. And on the Joy Mountain is where you find joy. And your joy actually comes from your commitments, he says. Oh. So if you have volunteer, church commitments, commitments to your family, and you're fulfilling those, that's where you get joy.
0: Yeah.
1: What do you think about that?
0: I think, once again, we're getting into the realm of people setting structure for what makes people happy versus what makes other people happy.
1: That's very true.
0: And this guy... You're decided, saying it's a generalization. This guy who apparently doesn't know there's nothing below middle class...
1: I have issues with him because
0: of that. Well, he's just proven your point, basically. I think kind of, yeah. No, he it's Just like those people we were discussing in last week's podcast.
1: Yeah.
0: Who's to say that my both of my mountains don't converge at the same peak and I'm happy to lay in my VW bus and eat ramen and surf when I can or do the same thing and fish when I can
1: well you know there's a lot of privilege going on in assuming that you can climb either of those mountains right you know what I mean like, what if
0: somebody's joy mountain is simply like just pure survival
1: I know for but, however
0: many reasons you can come up with
1: but what if that's their happiness mountain
0: whatever I I, I was giving you the supposedly the pinnacle according to the book right The joy mountain
1: there's so many people in this world who are struggling just to survive just to have a roof just to have heat just to have clothes just to have food just it doesn't even have
0: to be them it could be the person that has a severely mentally handicapped adult child or something and is constantly weighed down by their burden
1: well, i not saying that their child's
0: a burden. Which no, it's sure. saying that they've imposed, taken that upon themselves to consider it that. And would he not
1: say that's a commitment? and that that That's a what I'm saying, but that's God. a raw
0: ass commitment I guarantee he wasn't talking about in his book. <laughs> because everything's always one of two ways in his books. What are the
1: two ways? Boo-boo? Well, I can't
0: remember. One of them is mon- monetary
1: <laughs> success, right? Yes.
0: And I don't know, I, I just feel like it's a one of two ways. But right now, my brain's not working very well.
1: Well, I think the other way, like, a lot of people view freedom as joy. Right. And when I say freedom, I mean freedom from commitments as joy.
0: Right. And like, usually those two go hand in hand.
1: Like, our little cutie face is like, oh, I'm commitment phobic. I don't want to be tied down by kids. I don't mm-hmm. want to be tied down by a husband. I don't want to be tied down. But then what do you have? And at the same time, how lonely are you? Right. You know?
0: Exactly. It's
1: a trade off, I guess.
0: It is. Trade off.
1: But, but my point is some people really like that.
0: Happiness quotients can be much more base than Oh, I made my first millionaire. Oh, I'm comfortable middle class with my wife and children.
1: Well, there's a lot of um, literature and studies about, which we've talked about like a year ago or so, about the flow state. Like when you're in that state of creating, how that is where it feels happy to you you lose track of time you lose track of, like but that doesn't once again necessarily... you're assuming
0: everybody's a creative minded person no
1: but there's like things like that no, I'm just relating that to the artist. I know I'm talking but about, that. Oh. but athletes say that they get in those states during games. Of like, they there's do. all these different ways that you can be in the flow state, not just the artistic one. All right. But that doesn't really have anything to do with finances or commitments or it's the act of doing and being so absorbed in this whatever it is that you're doing. Well,
0: my argument would be this. Oh boy. What you said is 100% true. But I think the majority Uh-oh. of readership for these kind of articles are not thinking, Hey, I'm gonna get my flow state on by smoking a bowl <laughs> and playing Xbox because I rock at Call of Duty. I just lose track of time. But You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what, but that truly is what makes some people happy.
1: I just saw this meme on Facebook and it was like I'm not gonna I'm gonna paraphrase <clears throat> it really wrong, incorrectly, but it was basically like Think about when you when minute when hours became minutes when you were a child. What did you do then? That's your life's purpose, or that's what you're meant to be doing now as an adult.
0: When minutes became hours, did you mean? Yeah.
1: Okay. No, when hours became minutes, when you had oh, no because of time passes of time, and you were just so engrossed uh, in an activity. Yeah. What was it for you?
0: I should have been a porn star. my
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm not responsible for the things these said. How about when you were ten? Let's go to like ten, eight. How about we go oh, to man. eight? Eight-year-old right. child. Right.
0: All right, now you might have crossed the threshold.
1: Oh my god. I'll uh, tell you mine. I don't
0: remember. I don't
1: remember anything. Honey, that's not helpful for finding your life's purpose. I'll tell you mine. Well, and you can think about it, ready? What? Mine was writing Star Trek fan fiction, yeah. which is very embarrassing now, yeah. and also copying the comics out of the Sunday paper. Yeah. I was really into that, and also just wandering in the woods looking for Bigfoot. Oh, I did that too a lot. of But time. did you lose track of time? Yeah. You... Well, I oh, and acting out experiment. things like Wizard of Oz and directing no, my I friends in place. That.
0: I would say, I would say, wandering in the woods, reading, and then oh, reading. And then, back then, I was mainly into, you know, reptiles and stuff. And and I could definitely lose track of time, I guess, taking care of them and stuff.
1: Maybe you need to be a reptile wrangler.
0: No, I'm good on that.
1: (laughs) We could be Bigfoot hunters.
0: Well, that'd be With no killing.
1: I don't Mm want to kill Bigfoot. I want to hug Bigfoot.
0: I think we should hunt Bigfoots at supposedly haunted areas. Yeah. Then they combine the two. Oh, that'd you? be
1: haunted Bigfoot.
0: <coughs> yeah. I like it. The two popular things nowadays. And
1: then we could teach Bigfoot to hang out with reptiles mm-hmm. and draw, like, copy um. from
0: As soon as the selection mess straightened out, you know, people <laughs> are going to be looking for something to do. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Writing tip of the paw. So this...
1: So this week's podcast is called Make Your Books Like Wedgies and Commitments Not a Dirty Word, or is it? No, it's not. All right. So seriously, the best books are like wedgies. You can't ignore them. They get right up inside you (laughs) and into places that they're not supposed to go. And sometimes it's hard to get them out. There's something else like that, too.
0: (laughs) This week, Carrie talked to a lot of her writers about how if you don't, long to write your scenes, your readers probably aren't going to long to read those scenes either.
1: And recently, the New York Times talked to Steve Martin, actor, writer, comedian, about books, and he is allegedly addicted to audiobooks, which is cool, because it's a nice addiction. What?
0: No, nothing all. Uh, so
1: That's he awesome. said, I'm also a sucker for the magic of opening paragraphs. I'll never understand what the sorcery is in literature and movies that engages you immediately and makes it impossible to look away.
0: A wedgie engages you immediately.
1: And a book can do that, too, sometimes. But sometimes it's not like a wedgie. It's more like a bad eight-hour Zoom meeting about land use ordinances and setback requirements in a town you'll never visit. So how do you keep your book from being boring?
0: You wedgify it!
1: We made that word up.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) So how do you wedgify a book, Sean Kelly? Three hot steps?
0: Number one, you go all in. make
1: <laughs> hey. i'm eight
0: yeah make the conflict as big as possible two <laughs> you have dynamic scenes where things happen not just the characters meandering thoughts about zoom meetings
1: and three
0: you make us care <laughs> Wedgies matter because your bum matters. That's
1: right, man. Your bum matters. So the writing tip of the pod, all condensed perfectly quickly, is go all in with your stories. Make the conflict, internal or external, huge. Presidential, huge. But more than that, make us care about who that conflict is happening to.
0: That's right. You
1: care about the wedge because you care about your bum, man.
0: I think that's just such a good analogy. Not... Not being now. It's not... I'm not trying to be naughty or anything. But what you said about getting inside of you, you know? Yeah. That's like the book you want to write. Because that's what... The people, that's how you get lost. And the time flies. That's right. And... And
1: the flow state of your reading.
0: Yeah. Life. Yeah. That's your goal. Wedgify your book. Wedgify your book. Dog tip for life.
1: <laughs> so our dog tip for life is... Commitment
0: is not a dirty word.
1: What what? 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 Well, we talked about this in our Random Thought and how David Brooks, the writer, has some issues regarding privilege and class, as we all do, but here is something interesting that he wrote in his book, which uses two mountains as a metaphor for our journey and aspirations in life.
0: Moral formation is not individual. It is Relational. Character is not something you build sitting in a room thinking about the difference between right and wrong and about your own willpower. Character emerges from our commitments. If you want to enough. and Is that... Uh, inculcate. Gonna, inculcate.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Character
0: and someone else teach them how to form commitments. Temporary ones in childhood. Provisional ones in youth. Permanent ones in Adulthood. Commitments are the school for moral formation. When your life is defined by fervent commitments, you are on the second mountain.
1: So that second mountain, right? It's not just happiness. It's joy. It's, as David Schools paraphrases it, a journey to a moral life. And what are those commitments? It's not just marriage, so don't panic, Sean. (laughs) It's also family, vocation, faith, or philosophy, and community. School says a very long quote that Sean's going to tell you right now.
0: Full exploration of material, experiential, and intellectual aims leave you hungry for more, restless from comparisons, <laughs> and lonely in your deepest substrate. It's exhausting. Yeah. The self is unable to remain in a state of permanent satisfaction. This is what Brooks came to find in his own journey. What then is left? You decide to settle for that dirty word, commitment. Only commitments matter. Paradoxically, they are actually what make you feel most alive, and here's why. You love what you sacrifice for. When you give yourself away to someone or something, you find a sense of purpose that isn't focused on the rat wheels of personal development or self-improvement. Instead, you find an exhilarating freedom that connects with other people on a deeper level.
1: So that's a pretty big dog tip for life right there. And for you writers listening out there, it's the commitments that we have to our book and our characters have to each other that make meaningful wedgies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That man. is a big dog tip. That is a wicked big dog tip, t- yeah. reading. <laughs> 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 I didn't know we could read those sort of books. It's like textbook stuff, right?
1: But like, it's true, right? Like, our doggies are happy because they're committed to us, right? Like, oh, yeah. Sort of?
0: Well, yeah. They're committed to getting us to do what they want. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's and, for darn sure. And
1: even though they can be annoying when getting what they want is to go outside to poop at 3 a.m., we still love them. And it's our, our bond and commitment to them that makes us love them more than a random dog we meet on the street. I don't know. I love those random dogs.
0: <laughs> you do love those random dogs. But and they give us
1: joy, man. That's the point. They give us joy. Our they, commitments. Allegedly, you love me because you're committed to me more than you love some other random person, right? I don't know. I have a
0: huge problem with that word commitment because it is totally a dog's owner's job to get up out of bed at 3 a.m. to let them outside so they don't pee or poop on the floor. That does not make me love the dog more. That act of selfless service does not... But we won't get into that now. (laughs) That was my whole dinner time argument, basically. I just didn't put it into words good enough about the mountains. Commitment
1: equals responsibility. I understand. Strengthening the bonds between you and your animals, you and your spouse, you and your brother and sister, you and your parents, you and your community, you and your faith, your philosophy. It's like, I committed to trying to be a person who does... Um, evolves and tries to do less harm as I wander through life. Right. And tries to make a little bits of the world better because I don't think I'm awesome enough to make massive bits of the world better. Right. (laughs) And so that commitment spurs me closer to joy when I'm closer to doing that commitment, as in if I had a life in which I didn't have that belief or responsibility or commitment to that tenant. Or philosophy,
0: right? Yeah, right. No? No, that's exactly right. But that's a self-imposed commitment. Yeah. That's not like a societal commitment. And as an example, I'll use my poorly worded example from the dinner table, which may not have been really. But anyways, I'm not going to say it again. But if you have. Oh, never mind. I just feel like it's obligation because other people like, oh, the world's going to look poorly on me if I don't fulfill this commitment versus i'm fulfilling these commitments for myself because the end goal does make me feel good
1: so you're saying that people are committed and responsible because there's no choice because of society's like no not all the time
0: i just think there's like there needs to be a filtering mechanism in there i I just think commitment's such an overarching word it doesn't fit that well but I'm pick, nitpicking here. Are you so. always
1: nitpicking.
0: I know, I know. That's because really I'm not smart you. enough to. No,
1: it's because you're taking so the broad picture. Oh my gosh! You're <laughs> just a wicked contrary person. But anyways, the point I think is that Sean's trying to make is that are these commitments? If we go a deeper level, which is what you're doing, are they obligations? Are they free choices? And you can say, well, you always have the free choice to give the middle finger to what society deems your responsibilities and your obligations. That's right. But when you allow and let yourself go without even thinking of them as obligations or commitments, is that not when the real joy comes? Like When you have just every moment-by-moment interaction in your life, and you're making the choice to go with that flow to help other people if that's what your commitment is to to like make those bonds and attachments within your life and your community and in, in, in your philosophy like you're saying there is no choice because society imposes a choice oh i'm not
0: saying that there's totally a choice Okay. your summation of what you just said right now is pretty much dead on you can always tell not
1: being country
0: you can always tell you can always flip society off and I think that commitments that are driven by love and compassion are the ones you should search for not the ones that are expectations Mm. from outside of your own emotions
1: well and really what he's saying is that you know, once you hit that first mountain, yeah, you a person of privilege who doesn't have to struggle to not have, like, hate crimes or food or shelter. Right. Um, but when, let's say you are, and you hit that first mountain, right? And now you're like, oh, there's something missing. He's saying that what you're missing is either a commitment to a faith or philosophy or a relationship, and that that missing aspect like you don't have to find joy in all your commitments it's more like why you feel empty is because you don't have them even though you have this other material or financial or vocational success
0: no I understand that uh, theory as well All right. totally Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so be committed to giving people wedgies be committed to making your stories strong and find the things that make you feel less empty. That's really it, right?
0: Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. We should start National Wed National Wedgie Day. There
1: probably is one.
0: Probably, we should look it up.
1: I know. I go give him a wedgie right now.
0: No, I don't wear underwear. <gasps> Just for that reason. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please like it. And subscribe.
1: You can find it anywhere that podcasts are. Because I don't know why. They haven't kicked us off yet. Yeah. Yeah. And you can join over 250,000 people who have listened to this podcast.
0: Man, you've been saying that number for a while.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's really two hundred two. 100,000 I don't even know how, it's a big number sweet anyways the music that we've clipped and shortened in this podcast it's awesome and it is made available through the creative commons license if you go to our show notes on kerryjonesbooks.blog or dogs are smarter than people you can find out who this artist is and what their song is and even go to their artist website but it's summer spliff and it's by broke for free and you can find out more about my books and all that kind of stuff in my writing class and I teach and I edit things by checking out Carrie Jones Books, C-A-R-R-I-E-J-O-N-E-S books. Yeah. Dot blog.
0: I got to tell you real quick. Oh,
1: no, honey, don't. No,
0: I just want to say that you're the best editor, teacher, writing coach ever. Oh, that's very sweet. Okay. Very sweet. I mean that. Very I can sweet. tell from your students' reactions when I overhear them in the class, Zoom classes. And I read your reviews and your emails. I love you. You're amazing. Thanks for listening.
1: The is supposed to be fast.
0: Okay, it was done I was done with all back. <laughs>